Hi, it's Rabbi Jim Egolf. <clears throat> Thank you so much for joining me this week. Uh, well, it's been a it's been a, a historic week in the Middle East, and I wanted to take a few moments to talk about the, the situation in Egypt, the situation in the Middle East in general, and believe it or not, how it actually ties into our Torah portion this week. I'd love to hear what you think as well. You can always email me at rav, as in Victor, jim, at aol.com, or you can call me at 610-624-3441. Shalom. In 1987, I had a chance to go hiking in the mountains that overlook the southern Israeli port of Elat. As our guide had us rest, he pointed out the four countries that we could see from our vantage point. To the east, Egypt. In front of us, Israel. A little further to the west, Jordan. And about 10 miles away down the coastline is where Saudi Arabia's northern border exists with Jordan. At the time, things were peaceful in that the Intifada had not yet begun. Israel had a peace with Egypt. Jordan, while technically at war, had a very quiet border with Israel. And Saudi Arabia was really not in a position to attack with more than just words and statements. My parents were terrified that I would go and study in Israel for a year. Yet looking back, it was a decent, if not good time. This week brought us to a different understanding of these countries. We watched difficult episodes in the Middle East. And probably what's so jarring is that we thought we knew it so well. And yet we're beginning to realize that we may be on the brink of a new paradigm. A professor of mine an undergraduate school once quipped that Yasser Arafat might actually die of natural causes, and indeed, he did. Until recent decades, many of the leaders in the Middle East, outside of Israel, found their end of service to their countries at the moment of their demise. Previous leaders of Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, and Egypt all fall into this category. Now, We might wonder if we're about to witness two significant moments in the Middle East. The first is that a leader of a non-democratic country might leave office while alive in the form of Hosni Mubarak. The second potentially more difficult moment to deal with is when these previous autocracies become closer to functioning democracies. What will that mean for Israel and America? Though the idea of shifting a paradigm is not something new to this region, we uh, we got it started. We had a bit of a hand in, in how the perspectives on the world shift. And it starts in our Torah portion this evening with the shifting of the focus of the importance of God in our religion and where God actually resides. My favorite line in the opening verses of the Torah Parshat Truma tonight are make for me a sanctuary that I may dwell among you. Usually when we build something of a religious nature, the idea is that it becomes a or the center of worship and a or the center of importance. 
While the tabernacle became the center of worship, God focuses not upon the structure, rather the intent of having a center of worship for the community is only so that God may rest, dwell, and exist among, and you could possibly interpret it within the people. The ability to place a sense of the sacred, or God, outside of a structure and in a person is critical in this parsha. It leads to a disconnect, potential disconnect, between an institution and the difference, the impact it is supposed to create. This disconnect is why God sought to bridge the potential gap between the tabernacle and God's connection with the people. And this verse is often pointed to, make for me a sanctuary that I may dwell among you, as a proof text. The verse shows that regardless of the institution, it is God's connection that we feel that will create the sacred within us. It'll determine our actions. It'll help us interpret the lives that we live. When we feel a sense of greater purpose that we both serve and that commits to us, when we define it, whatever the it is, and it, the sense of the sacred, defines us, and, and, and then you actually have a real connection. It works both ways. And without it working both ways, where we affect the greater purpose, and the greater purpose has an impact upon us, then a sense of a sacred connection begins to break down. We're seeing this disconnect in the situations we witness in the Middle East. And while we have grown used to having Arab governments be disconnected from their populations, the days when this was acceptable or survivable may be growing short. So as I imagine myself on top of that mountain looking to the east, I would see Egypt. The guy who was president when I was in college on that day is still president. Not much has changed, yet something has. I always used to hear about the street in terms of how Muslim leaders kept their countries in check. I never knew of the Muslim street having the power to affect change until Tunisia. Now we see Mubarak struggle to keep power, and no one really knows what's going to happen except that at some point in 2012, he'll probably no longer be in power. Mubarak was sitting next to President Sadat, the former president of Egypt, when he was assassinated. Sadat was the first Arab leader to have the courage to make peace with Israel, and most believe that this act motivated those who killed him. Mubarak often had to face the fact that to keep the peace treaty with Israel, he would be at greater risk, and he would also invite more instability. But that risk and instability for the regime was something that he felt would be better for Egypt in the long run. The peace treaty, though good at certain times and bad at others, led to some trust, some peace, a few bad incidents. And and Israel felt that it could trust Egypt to the point that this past week Israel allowed Egyptian troops to move into the Sinai in violation of the peace treaty that was signed over 30 years ago. 30-plus years of peace kept by Sadat and then Mubarak. Granted, Mubarak's downfall will not be peace with Israel, 
but how he maintained peace and order at home. While Mubarak could be considered a competent international leader, that did not mean that he actually listened to his people. He himself seems to have become something of a tabernacle. But the purpose of a tabernacle is to make sure that a sense of purpose and sacred dwells among the people. In the Torah, we would call this God. In Egypt, they might call it the ideals of freedom, democracy, or liberty. It is a sense of these things missing in Egypt that now leads to the crisis we witness. Regardless of how noble or courageous Mubarak was in the international scene, at this point it is his government's lack of dwelling among the people, of being felt as empowering, that brought us to the past few weeks. The other question that we need to consider is whether or not this is good for Israel and or America. At this moment, I think few know the answer to this question, so I apologize in advance for the on the one hand and on the other hand answer, but here it goes. On the one hand, potentially we could see an end to the leadership we have grown accustomed to dealing with in Jordan, Egypt, and the entire Middle East. While our country is known for its proclaimed desire to see democracy spread throughout the world, dealing with actual democracies sometimes proves messier than we would like. An autocrat can tell you what his country will do. A democratic leader can usually, at best, tell you what his or her country might be inclined to do. We could see a dramatic shift in these countries if the sentiments, sentiments, of those on the streets who are opposed to Israel or the United States have those views expressed through economic, diplomatic, or military action. On the other, somewhat longer view hand, this could be good. While Jordan and Egypt have peace treaties with Israel, it's, it's much different to have those treaties and agreements lived and acted upon by the inhabitants of a country. I believe that any democracy that makes a treaty with Israel will be a better and potentially stronger understanding when it's made with those governments whose citizenry deems the governments as legitimate. If a country's sense of peace and stability resides among the people and not in its tabernacle, its symbols, its institutions, its autocratic leader, the peace will be stronger among the inhabitants of both lands. And while some might point to a turkey and the anger expressed after the raid on the flotilla off the coast of Gaza as a potential downside of a Muslim democracy, it was that same democracy that sent assistance to Israel when the Carmel fires broke out last December. The peace may be a different peace and a different paradigm, and it may actually have stronger possibilities if there's a democracy behind it. Make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among you. Our country, our society, our congregation is stronger when it dwells among us, within us, when it is part of the fabric of our lives. It is not just that it serves us, it is also that by our actions we serve it in a variety of different ways. My hope is that another tour group one day stands on that same mountain I stood on, looks out to the four countries that surround that point over a lot. And may they see four countries whose people know democracy, 
peace, prosperity, and hope. Then shall we be able to proclaim to each other, regardless of our religion or country, God dwells among us, and both God and we have blessed each other with peace. Shalom.